tell us a little bit about your background like what do you study um you know what career are you interested in all that sort of stuff okay cool so i study physics at imperial college london i'm a third year of university before that i was in harris i spent a sixth form i did a levels i did maths chemistry physics and economics uh, and that was very good and before that i was in ten or archbishop tennyson's in croydon it's a state comprehensive school uh where i did my gcse's so yeah that's pretty much a great a broad summary my understanding is you're quite interested in the financial services sector. Yes. Uh, what got you interested in that and how did you initially get exposed to that? So the interest stemmed from the fact that I'm very into maths. Anyone who asks me about finance in terms of, anyone who asks me about anything in finance knows I'm very into maths. I talk about it all the time. And maths is, or finance is a good way to explore the mathematical complexity of the world because financial assets can be very complex. And if you adapt a mathematical model to them, can find a solution to, to a problem you may have had before. So that's my main interest. In terms of how I got into finance, I applied for a program called Steps to Success with Credit Suisse, and it's a three-year scholarship program. It grants you two guaranteed internships in markets and investment banking division within the bank. And then if you're good enough, you get the opportunity to do an internship after that with the bank as well in a choice between markets and investment banking. And if you're good in that one, you get to do graduate opportunity as well in the bank, which I'm currently at. So I'll currently be joining the investment grade credit team in Credit Suisse as a trader. So it's very exciting. Could you tell us a little bit about what your experiences have been uh, so far, the time you've spent working um, in a financial firm? So initially, in the first internship when I originally got there, it was more about the soft skills because quite a lot of people from my background from this comprehensive school don't have the soft skills to sort of succeed in the banking. So they were teaching you the nuances of how to get on in the corporate world, which is very interesting and very good. In the second internship, it was more about the technical skills. I was very interested in markets, so I started looking at option pricing. It's a very mathematical area, so it's very it was interesting to me, so technical skills in that respect. And also the just broad knowledge of the financial industry. People underestimate the extent to which knowledge about the wider world is important in markets especially. And that's one thing they instilled in me, which is very good. And I still carry that forward today. During your time, I guess, at, at A-level, um, mm. were there any kind of obstacles you had to overcome and all of that to kind of get to where you are currently, you know, studying physics at Imperial? <laughs> so, I mean, that's interesting because I'll start with GCSEs. So my school in GCSEs uh, was, it was a good school by Ofsted. Uh, it wasn't amazing. They didn't push you as much as I would have liked, but it was good. It got the job done. But when I went to my sixth form, my sixth form was set up deliberately to get people from underprivileged and underrepresented backgrounds into top universities, studying top subjects like physics, for example. And that was really an eye opener for me because before I hadn't really seen the wider world and going to a school in the center of Westminster, which was designed to get people into top universities, sort of instills sort of a work ethic in you. And I carried that forward into Imperial as well, which is very, which is very useful because the work is really hard. Uh, so yeah, so that was, that was, that was interesting. I mean, during my A-levels, I went to various events. I was a student president, which allowed me to do certain things. Like for example, went to Theresa May's house, 10 Downing Street, when it was her house for an event. And that was interesting because it introduced you to the white or the, the greater things in life, as I like to call it. It showed you there is a world outside what you've been exposed to. And yeah, it was very good. I mean, the school was very good at encouraging us to apply for certain things. The scholarship program I applied to, the, the numbers were not with me at all when I applied. There was a lot of people applying and not very many places. And the school gave us the confidence to believe that we could get there, even though it might not look like we could get it at the time. 
And so you study uh, physics, which, you know, is a STEM subject to some yes. degree. And I think stereotypically people think that you have to kind of study economics or finance or PPE or something like that if you want to go into like banking or the financial sector generally. Um, how have your experiences been being a STEM student and, and, and having, you know, being in, in, in that space? So the first thing I would like to say is that especially in markets, you do not have to study a finance-based subject to succeed. Lots of people who are there have studied finance-based subjects, but equally there are a lot of them. In fact, I think the majority who haven't. And the reason why is that markets is a business where effectively you're in competition with everyone else directly. And if you have a better strategy than them, you can win all the time or 90% of the time. And doing other subjects gives a sort of a diverse view and a diverse way of looking at a problem. And if everyone started the same thing, it'd be hard to come up with that diverse view. Also, a STEM subject like physics gives you the mathematical training needed to succeed in markets. If you're trading on complex assets, you'll need to understand it. And to understand it, you do need to understand some of the maths. If you're trading options, you don't need to be able to derive the entire black skull formula from scratch with the back of your head, from the back of your mind. But it's not it's not useful, but it's, it's useful to understand where the, the stuff is coming from and why it's happening. So, and also programming. Programming is very useful and something you don't necessarily gain from financial subject. Anyone who's applying for a markets job, I stress the need to learn a language. I prefer Python, but I mean, others are useful too. Probably a high level language rather than a low level language, more useful day to day. But yeah, that's the reasons why I think that you can study a non-finance subject and still get on in finance. In investment banking division, however, it's quite different. You need a lot more specific technical knowledge in investment banking division. My friends there, they didn't struggle because they're very good and they got offers but they found it a little bit harder to adapt given that they were competing against people from universities where they would literally teach them exactly what they need to know on a day-to-day -day basis. So they're very familiar with the term DCF or LBO, for example, and how to calculate a DCF or model world LBO. So yes, that's, that's, that's my opinion, but I'm not really the person to speak to about investment banking division. Some people might have this notion that if you want to get into a highly competitive field like yes. high finance and all of that and getting into these top firms, um, you have to have no life. You have to spend all your time in a library doing reading financial textbooks, and um, you do basketball. I do a lot of basketball. Yes, um, that's very true. So, what 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 would you say to people who might mistakenly have that kind of notion? So, there are certain people uh, in the bank who, in the internship, who have done a similar thing. I'm not going to at anyone, but there are various people that I know who have done that and it didn't necessarily benefit them i mean there is a certain level of knowledge you need to know and you do need to study to that to get that knowledge but you don't want to be an automaton and you do need to have certain interests outside of finance i mean i've been told this from various people various times you're going to be sitting next to someone for more for, for 12 hours a day possibly they need to like you they need to want to be next to you otherwise you're gonna have a bad time and if you're having a good time generally you're going to do better work to a certain extent so Yes, you do need to know some stuff, but I wouldn't recommend people sit in the library and study all day. You need to learn certain things. I mean, I do sit in the library and study all day in term time, but it's because of physics, not because of finance. I just have to do that to get my degree done. So yeah, so yeah, that's pretty much it. Basketball is a really good thing for me because it gives me an opportunity to de-stress from the world of physics and the world of finance. And it also gives a good opportunity to speak to people because there are a lot of people who are interested in basketball at the bank. My, one of my, one of my, or lots of people I've spoken to at the internship were interested in basketball. We have good conversations about it. So I really do think that it's good to have interest outside of finance. When I looked at the financial sector, I noticed that there wasn't too many people who looked like me, like specifically 
black men in the financial sector. Um, but, you know, I figured that shouldn't necessarily be an obstacle to me to, to pursuing that. Um, what, 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 what are your, like, um, what's your perspective on that? And like, how did you kind of, um, I guess, look past the fact that, I guess, you, you, there was not necessarily a large amount of representation going in? And how did you, uh, I guess, adapt to that perhaps? So a good thing about my scholarship program is one of the people who's in charge of it uh, was a, a black man from Jamaica who studied physics as well, a bit like me. Uh, I'm also Jamaican. Uh, so that was really good. You sort of see a role model. And it's good to see someone you can aspire to be like. Equally, though, that's not the case for everyone. And there are not that many people who look like me in finance. It is changing. From what I've observed, there are more people who are at the junior levels. However, at the senior levels, it tends to look quite the same. People tend to look quite the same. So, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not ideal, but it's not an obstacle either. And it's good that there are certain things like the scholarship I was on to sort of try and change that. I do think it is changing, mainly not fast enough, but I do think it is changing. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on that one. People who are quite interested, I guess students, maybe A-level students, mm. uh, and also I guess students at university who yes. are you know, making applications or whatever currently because it's application season, uh, what tips, suggestions would you give to them um, off the top of your head? Like? So, in my opinion, it's quite hard to give tips when applying for certain programmes. I would say your grades do need to be reasonably high to get into certain programs and you need to have some interest in finance. I don't, okay, I will say this. Anyone who's applying to finance for money, just don't do it. You will hate your life. I guarantee it. I worked in the investment banking division in my second internship. And while this career is very appealing to some people, I really don't like it. And they could be paying me millions of pounds. I still not do this because it's not something I enjoyed. I have a mark I really did enjoy. And that was really important in gaining a full-time offer and doing well in your internship. So the tips I would say is have a genuine interest in finance. Work on your grades, try and get them as high as possible and do some extracurricular activities. In terms of CVs and cover letters, it's hard because there are a lot of people applying for these positions. I mean, I don't know how many people applied for the one I was on, but it was certainly less than 1% of people got in uh, for the internship. So you do have to kind of stand out. However, I don't know how to make you stand out. And it's specific to you. Me, I try and say have a selling point and try and use that to your advantage. So my selling point was I can do lots of maths, I can program, and I can explain what I'm doing to people. So while people who are listening might not necessarily have the same selling point, I do think that you should have something that you, only you can do or select a few number of people can do and try and emphasize why you're useful in the bank and why you're useful to them and how you can develop as well. One of the areas you've mentioned that you're, you you found particularly enjoyable working in is uh, markets. Yes. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about, more about what markets is? Uh, a lot of, I guess, what, what, what you did in a role. Um, and for people who are, are really not sure what markets is. Okay, so markets is the, the interaction or the secondary market mainly where banks effectively connect buyers and sellers of securities and instruments. So effectively, we have the investment bank in the middle. You're a buyer over there as a seller. You want to buy a stock of Apple, I will sell it to you. And he wants to sell a stock of Apple, I'll buy it from him. But I dictate the price. This is the old model. So this is in equity. So effectively, that's what I'm doing. And I will make money off the spread between the two prices. The newer model, because of certain regulations that have come into force relatively recently, is that you want to buy something, 
I will sell it to you or I'll, I'll buy it for you in the market, but I'll use an algorithm or I'll do it so you get the best execution, best execution on the price. So it's slightly more complicated because you don't necessarily get a price, but you will get the satisfaction. That I know what I'm doing when buying stuff in the market. If you're a retail investor, this doesn't really apply to you because your quantities are so small. Uh, if you're buying a billion dollars of, of shares in a certain company, the fact that you want to buy that will move the price of the share and the bank's knowledge and experience in buying and selling securities means that they'll move the price as little as possible because if they move the price you get a worse deal so that's broadly what markets does and within markets we have certain regions certain areas so we have equities so effectively that's stock issues shares and then we have the other main area which is fixed income currencies and commodities so fixed income is things like bonds Effectively, the way I like to think about bonds are loans that can be traded. So we have certain types of bonds in uh, in, the, in the fixed income space. There's uh, there's senior debt, junior debt, and then there's other various types. But senior debt, effectively, if a company goes to bust, it means that they will get paid first. Junior debt, they'll get paid second, and equities somewhere down the, the order. There's, there's a list of in bankruptcy. There's a list of uh, people who get paid. I think the government is first, and it goes along there. So yeah, but we have currencies which are different. Currencies is uh, the interaction of foreign exchange. So we have euro dollar, for example, euro pound, the various exchange rates there. Lots of companies want to hedge against certain risks. Lots of big corporations and airlines, for example, want to hedge against certain risks and currencies and commodities. Now, this isn't traded by all banks anymore. It's been scaled back. But oil, or you have energy, so oil, gas, power. Uh, and then we have, I'm not an expert on commodities, to be honest, but there's different areas there. So yeah, that's broadly what the regions are. And then we have the different jobs. So the main three jobs are sales, trading, and structuring. And we also have research, but we'll get into that in a minute. So sales, effectively, they talk to the clients. They're the client-facing people. When a client wants to deal with someone, they'll deal with the salespeople. And the salespeople deal with the traders. The traders are the ones executing and coming up with the prices for orders. So there are various different types of traders. There are execution traders who effectively go and buy in the market. Remember we talked about earlier how people buy stuff in the market for the best price. Those are execution traders and there are also flow traders. Flow traders do similar things to execution traders, but they also buy and sell on their own beliefs that things will go up and the customers will want to buy from them later. And we have proprietary traders who purely trade the bank's capital for, or for, for maximum gain. However, they're kind of bands now and only in various very niche areas. So those are the main three types of traders. Then we have structuring people. So effectively the structurers, if you're a client and you have a problem, I as a structure will try and fix your problem. For example, if you want to make money, if the FTSE 100 volatility is more than 5%, I can structure an instrument where that happens, but you have to pay somewhere else if it doesn't. So that's what structurers do. They solve problems for clients or if a client wants to hedge against a very specific risk, the structure will help them do that. So yeah, and then we also have research. So there are macro research and equity research. So macro research is effectively the economics team. And what they do is they don't necessarily issue investment advice, but they sort of narrate what's going on in the world. So for example, what the latest Brexit news means for the, the macro economy and what the effects could happen and the probability of certain things happening at a certain time. Whereas equity research publish research reports on certain companies as various different sectors. So for example, travel, transport and leisure. They look at all these companies, they say, is it overperforming relative to its peers, unperforming relative to its peers, what is the price like to do in the future, and things like that. And they publish these reports to clients who then pay for the research. The system used to be different in that it used to be the case that clients got the research almost for free, and they traded with the bank that gave them the research, but now because of something called MIFID 2, it's a new regulation, the client has to pay for the research and pay for the time of the research, research analyst, 
and the salespeople and the traders effectively are separate from the research people. They get paid separately through commissions. So it's very it's, it's to do the best execution and the client get the best price. Uh, I'm more an expert on method too, but that is the broad understanding of what I have. Awesome, Joel. So um, thanks for sharing. Um, that was really, really insightful. Um, so how can people connect with you? So my name on LinkedIn is Joel McFarlane. If you add me or add you back, ask me your questions. I'll try and answer them to the best of my ability. Yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much it. Awesome. Awesome. It was great to have you here. Thank you very much. <laughs>